I want to read from the book of Psalm, Psalm 1. First one there. I'm going to crack on because time is gone, isn't it, this morning? It's amazing how time flies when you're having fun. It's great to see everybody. Last week we were in Pride Park. We had a great time together. And, uh, but it's always nice to come back and um, uh, be in the, the place we're familiar with. Um, uh, we've had a new PA system this week, so I want to thank all the guys who've put all the effort in. They've done a lot of work getting a new PA system in. And um, yeah, <laughs> woohoo! And um, so there's a lot of uh, tweaking and all that stuff going on over the next few weeks, so bear with us. But it's sounding great. We're in Psalm chapter 1. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Amen. <laughs> Whatever he does prospers. Amen. I want to share this morning just a little bit, and uh, I think I've got a PowerPoint somewhere, um, just about building your life. We've been talking about building your life, and I want to talk about building your life to thrive. What a lovely picture, eh? Don't you love a good tree? How many of you know God wants you to thrive in life? He wants you to flourish. You know, uh, this scripture is such a lovely picture. It's such a profound moment. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Wow, isn't that an amazing thing? Everybody say, yes. It's an amazing thing to think that we could prosper in life, whatever we do. You know, it's an amazing thing because God has his hand upon us. And I want to talk today about how that's possible. Last, week, last time we were here, I talked about building your life to last, about building on the rock, building uh, foundations, putting stuff in your life that actually helps you uh, survive the storms of life. And today I want to talk about thriving in life because it seems to me that life is full of all kinds of circumstances and things, isn't it? Do you ever sometimes just think, I don't know how I'm going to get through this? It's a bit overwhelming. It's a bit challenging. But, you know, the Bible calls us to have life, to have an attitude that says, I want to live in the fullness of everything that goes. And I love this image of the tree by the river whose leaf does not wither. I'm claiming that one. As I get older and more shrivelly. I'm not going to wither. I'm going to be someone who's full of life and full of purpose in God. And I love it. It's Psalm 92 echoes the same thing. One of my favorite Psalms. I've been here 18 years. I must have preached on this Psalm every year I've been here. The righteous shall flourish in the courts of the Lord. Planted in the house of God, they shall stay strong and fresh. Amen. Don't you love to be strong and fresh in God? Some of you need to tell yourself, be stronger, be fresher. Be stronger, be fresher. We need to be fresh in the house of God. It, it's God's plan for our lives. We all go through circumstances. The issue is not will I go through trials in life. The issue is how will I go through them. That, that's what we're called to do. The issue is not will, will, I, be, uh, will I be avoided. See, see, some people think, you know, Christianity, some people have got the impression that Christianity is just about avoiding trials. But Jesus tells us, actually, it's about living through trials for him. It's about following him. I'm on a big thing about following Jesus at the minute. Get ready, church. Because, honestly, I think so many people in church today or in Christianity today uh, just want to believe in Jesus. They don't want to follow him. They, they, they want to believe in it. They want to have the benefits of the faith, but they don't want to follow the master. When actually Jesus calls us to follow him, to walk after him. And so I, I, I want to do that with all my heart. And so, so the issue for me is, is not what comes against me. The issue is how am I going to respond to what comes against me? Because the Bible teaches me that no matter what comes against me, I can thrive. 
I can live in victory over it. I don't have to necessarily be victorious in every circumstance. You see, the victory isn't about the circumstance. The victory is about whether I'm still standing and still got an attitude to thrive. Because if you've got an attitude to thrive, then actually whatever's coming against you can't defeat you. Hello. You can say, no, I'm going to live for God in this. See, if you've got an attitude to follow Jesus, the issue is not whether you come out intact. The issue is whether you come through for Jesus. It's a different focus. The issue is not whether you feel that you can forgive someone. The issue is that I'm forgiving them because that's what Jesus tells me to do. Because that's the priority of my life. And so I want to talk about thriving in God. You see, you can't control the situations that confront you in life. Relationships, health, finance, security, jobs, uh, all the kind of things that seem to come in upon us. We, we sometimes feel that our ability to thrive is controlled by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we all do that, don't we? I've been a pastor nearly 30 years. I know it. I've heard it. I've talked about it. I've seen it. We, we, we get so overwhelmed by the circumstances of life that we stop thriving in ourselves. But I believe God's called us to thrive regardless. He is like a tree planted by a river whose leaf does not wither and who bears fruit in season. Is that really a picture that God wants us to have? Because I believe it is. I believe God wants you to thrive in your life no matter what the situation. Whether it's, see, see, there are all kinds of circumstances in life, but we're called to walk through them. I was doing a Bible study this week with a good friend, and uh, we were reading a passage in Acts chapter 11 or 12, can't quite remember now. And um, it talked about Peter. James the Apostle had been executed. I mean, Peter, James, and John, they were the three closest to Jesus. James had just been executed. Wow. That's not going according to the script, is it? One of the superheroes of the faith just been killed. Peter is now in prison, and the next day he's facing execution for his faith. Do you know what the Bible says? Peter was asleep. Wow. Can you imagine that? That's, that's thriving, isn't it? Hey, I might die tomorrow. He's chained between two guards. So every time he moves, his chains are going. He's got two guards at the door, and he's in the locked up, facing execution. And he's thriving so much, he's asleep. And it reminded me of when Jesus was asleep in the boat, and the Peter was panicking. See, something had happened between that point and this point. Peter had learned to thrive in God. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I want to be able to sleep when the pressure's on, don't you? I want to be able to say, you know what, Lord? I'm trusting you. God, I, I don't know what's going on here, God. The storm is overwhelming. The prison seems a bit real. But Lord, you know what? You're with me. I want to talk about how we can thrive, how we can get that perspective in life. So, um, see, the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And that's what I'm after, friends. I want life to the full, don't you? If Jesus promised it, I want it. Now, I'm not imagining that that means it's going to be easy because Jesus talks a little bit about that, but I am believing and I am pressing on to say, you know what, I want to live full. I want to thrive in what God's called me to be. I want to be a tree that doesn't start dropping its leaves when the pressure comes, but stays green in God. And so I, 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 kind of, I could have talked about lots of things today, but I've come up with three <laughs> that came to my mind 
I, I don't want to say the Lord gave me them because that would be over-spiritualizing it. But as I thought about three things, things that can help us thrive in God. Firstly, it's perspective. You need a perspective to thrive. I love the scripture, uh, Psalm 18. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. I quote it all the time. Um, and I sometimes get, you know, I sometimes think I should try and find another one. But actually, I just like this one. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Wow. See, David has a different perspective to all the people around him. You know, David is in the cave. Well, you know, you find him in the cave of Adullam. And it says, and all those who were discontent and in distress and in debt came to him. Why? Because David had a different perspective. He was living in a cave surrounded by discontent, distressed, indebted people. And what did he believe? He believed that God turned his darkness into light. Come on, that's not bad, is it? How many of you are ready to take all of that promise? God, my darkness will become light today because you're with me. What a perspective change. My God, the situation I'm in doesn't have to stay this way. It doesn't have to define my life for the rest of my circumstances because, Lord, you're with me, so this darkness will become light. Wow, what a perspective. You see, your perspective changes what you see. Have you ever met some kind of naturally optimistic people who just wind you up? Because they're always like, oh, everything's great. And you're going, come on, if I had your life, I'm not sure I would feel like that. But you see, their perspective is different to yours. You see problems, they see opportunities. You see rejection, they see, you know, I remember once uh, talking to Dom. Dom was our uh, assistant pastor. He's planted a church in Germany once. And um, I was talking to him about life and church. And uh, I said, oh, so-and-so's got cross with me and has left. And he went, praise God, more space for other people who want to be there. I was like, oh, shut up. <laughs> Why? Because his perspective is not that everything's about me, but everything's about God. Everything's about, hey, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. We're just going to carry on. We're going to keep going. Our, 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 we're not about performance. We're about perspective. Wow. God wants you to get your perspective right today. Because if your perspective changes, then you can start to see. Once your perspective comes um, so if you only see problems, your perspective narrows. Because you stop seeing opportunities and possibilities. If you only see rejection, your perspective hardens. Because you start to expect people to reject you. So you change in your attitudes towards them. It's perspective. We all have one. So what is your perspective? Jesus calls us to have a different perspective. David says, you know what? Put a big wall in front of me, I'm going to go over it. Put an army in front of me, I'm going to take them all on. Isn't that amazing? Yes, Dave. Because he's saying, you know what? I believe that God is with me. Jesus calls us to develop that. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is that, friends? It's perspective. See, it's a challenge to us as followers of Jesus. Do I really believe that this isn't the most precious thing in my life, this temporary thing that I'm pursuing? Do I really believe that actually there's something unseen which is much more glorious and much more important? Because if I don't believe that now, I'm unlikely to press in to take hold of it.
If my perspective is totally about this, then actually I'm going to miss what God wants. It's hard for you to thrive if your perspective is totally about you. You know, part of the problem with our world today is everybody's obsessed with what they can have and get, and it's destroying the kindness of our world. So we need to enlarge our perspective. We need to do what God's called us to do. That's what a faith perspective is really all about. Believing what Jesus says and reveals rather than what we see. When Jesus approached the time he was going to be crucified, he said this to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms I go to prepare, a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and take you to be where I am. I I wonder, did you pick it up? Do not let your hearts be troubled. In other words, Jesus, and this is his words, Jesus is saying to his people, you have some control over the condition and response of your heart. See, sometimes we just want to say, I can't help it. Jesus says you can. I can't help the way I feel. Jesus says you can. Whoa. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Jesus says, listen, if you will let yourself be troubled, then you will be troubled. But if you will say, I will not let my heart be troubled, even though an army advance against me, even though there's a wall in front of me, even though I'm in darkness today, I won't let my heart be troubled because I believe God can bring light even into my darkness. It's all about perspective. And if you don't have the perspective of faith to believe that Jesus is with you, then very often you're going to miss the ability to thrive because your capacity is dominated by the restrictions. You don't see what God's called you to do. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. See, perspective needs two clear things. One, vision, the ability to see, but then also it needs attitude. You need to say, like, I look at that and I think this can happen. That's attitude. You need to get the right attitude about some of the challenges of life. Yeah, I look at that and I see it and I think, you know what? We can do this. I look at it and I think, actually, God is with me. I love the story of the 10 spies into Caleb, 12 spies into Caleb. They all saw the same thing. 10 of them had a different perspective. It was negative and destructive. Two of them had the, you know what, we can do this perspective. Why? Because they just saw something with an attitude that said, God's with us. And I want you to know, if you're going to thrive in life, and it doesn't matter what the context of your life is, friends, this is a biblical principle now, I think. You know, I, that's why I'm teaching it. If you're going to thrive in life, then actually, if you will say, this is the context, Lord, this is what I believe. I believe you're with me, and therefore I'm going to see with an attitude that says, God, you're coming, and your hand is upon me, then we can move into the purposes and promises of God. That's the first one. How do we do that? Okay, I need to get that before I move on. I've got two more points, both beginning with P. You're on a lucky day, aren't you, Jimmy? Really? How do we get the right perspective? Here's the answer. We pray. Philippians tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. How do you not let your heart be troubled? You pray. That's why most of us can't deal with it. We have to come and say, God, please, would you help me not get panicky about this? I need to see your perspective. We pray. If you pray, your perspective changes from your perspective to God's perspective, and it gives you a way forward. We thrive, firstly, because of our perspective. Secondly, we thrive because of the people who are in our lives. It sounds obvious. This. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. You know, secondly, we need people, the right people, to make our lives thrive. 
turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. No, don't do that. <laughs> That'd just be weird. Well, the truth is we need people to help us thrive. If we don't have the right people in life, then actually we don't, we don't thrive. Uh, and, and here's the danger. If we have the wrong people in life, they diminish our lives. See, that's the trouble. No one likes to talk about that. But listen, if you hang around with the wrong people, you're in trouble. The Bible says, isn't it? I think it says, um, uh, I should have written this down, but there's a great proverb that talks about, um, you know, don't be friends with someone who loses their temper because he's going to just ruin your life and make it miserable. And you find that, don't you? People who we're very loyal to, but actually who are destructive in our lives, not constructive, who don't build us, but who destroy us. And sometimes if we're going to uh, thrive, actually we've got to deal with the, people of, uh, the issue of people in our lives. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled, bad company, sorry, bad company corrupts good character. You see, we all need people in our lives, but we need the right people. And so I want to say to you, if you're going to thrive in life, you need to take relationships seriously. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I can't begin to tell you the number of people who say to me, I don't really have any friends. See, loneliness is one of the biggest problems in our society. We have more people on phones than we do talking to one another. It's, it's, it's epidemic in our society. And so people are socializing digitally, not having friends to really talk to. Now, I understand that. I'm not against phones at all. I'm not going to go on a crusade about that. But I just think what we really need to thrive are people who we can sit down with and who we can talk to. And, and listen, I think there's a, there's a real dearth of strong friendships in, the, in, in young people culture today in our, in our Western culture. And I see it because people are so busy, they don't invest in good friendships. They don't invest in relationships. And you know, if you're going to have good friends, you need to invest in friendships. You know, you need to uh, build them. You don't just get best friends in the world, do you? You know, we have this romantic notion in our, that we can just all have best friends forever, big buddies, we can all be together. But actually, how do you get a good friend? Is you start by a good friend by meeting an acquaintance who you then do something social with, who you then begin to say, oh, I quite like this person, and then you invite them into your life, and you build a relationship with them. And, and we all build it at different levels. You know, we're not all in the same relationship context, are we? You don't all know everything about me. Thank God that, Yeah. I don't know everything about you, but somebody needs to. There are people in my life who do know lots about me because share, we share together, we invest together, we, we, we make it a priority together because I want to build people into my life who can help me and who can support me and who can be there for me in life. Listen, many people, can I say to you, especially busy business people don't invest in significant relationships. And when it all goes wrong, they haven't got anybody to turn to. Now, that doesn't sound like a very biblical thing, does it? Apart from the fact that God created Eve because Adam was lonely. And he realized that she, he, couldn't be, he couldn't get by on his own, so he brought someone into his life, so he had someone with him. That's how biblical it is, friends. If we don't have the right relationships in our lives, then actually we fail to thrive. And if we have the wrong relationship in our lives, that stops us from thriving. So I want you to know, I want you to think about it today. What, what relationship, what's the context of your life? See, even Jesus needed people. Do you remember Jesus, when he was praying in the garden, he said to his disciples, would you come and pray with me? Peter, James, and John, we think. He said, I need you to pray with me. And what did they do? They fell asleep. 
And he went back to him and said, please pray with me. They fell asleep again. But he was longing for their fellowship and their company. He even let them sleep. You see, he was a good friend, wasn't he? I'd have been like, get up. But he was a good friend. He, 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 he loved them. He wanted them in his life. And you see that Jesus built circles around his life. He had the, he had the, the crowds. Then he had the 12. Then he had the three disciples. And then he had the one, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who, when he was on the cross, he looked at John and said, John, would you take care of my mum? A special relationship. See, Jesus had invested strongly in different relationships. Now, I know this is old to us, but I tell you, I've got a real concern in my heart that so many people, you see, to invest in friendship means you have to be together with other people. It means you have to meet with them. It means you have to share with them. It means you have to walk with them. It means you have to give to them. It means you have to allow them into your life. It means you have to walk with them. It doesn't mean you have to share everything. Listen, some of us would just be better off going out for the night and having a conversation where we laugh a bit. That would help some of us spiritually, you know. We'll become better followers of Jesus just because we have some good friends. It's not very profound, is it? Or maybe it's the most profound thing you could hear today. That actually God hasn't created you to live in isolation. He's created you to be together and share your life. But if you don't give it work, if you don't attend to it, if you don't say, this is what I'm going to build into my life, then very often you find that you don't have the friends you need. How can you build relationships with people? Here's an amazing proverb. Proverbs 22, verse 11 says this, One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. That's an amazing verse, isn't it? You know what it's saying? He said, one who has a good heart and who speaks well attracts friends. See, if you don't feel you've got many friends, think about your heart attitude towards people and what you say about people. Because when you start to speak well of people and you have a good attitude towards people, you know what? You become attractive to other people. People think, you know what? I want to hang out with those people. I want to be with them because they're just the best people to be with. See, we can all think of someone here today don't who doesn't fit that criteria, can't we? Someone who's got a bad attitude and he badmouths everybody. We can always think of people like that. And what we think is, I don't want to be near them. Because they're toxic. But the Bible says, listen, how do you build friendships? You become someone who other people want to be with. So you say, well, I find that hard. Here's a secret. Everybody does. Everybody does. But if you want to thrive in life, you need to build friendships into your life. Now, some of you are very good at this and you've done it. Others of you are isolated in life. See people in church on Sundays. Don't see anybody else during the week. Isolated in life. Maybe it's because you're busy. Maybe it's under pressure. But you need to build. Some of you just need to get into social circles again. Join a team. Get into a life group. Just be among people where you can talk. Because you see, if you don't talk socially, if you don't have a social environment, you're never going to have really good friends. I mean, I'm sorry I have to preach that, but honestly, I think that's true in our society. I've experienced it as a pastor. People have left this church because they don't have any friends. I'm telling you. They've told me that. And somehow they've tried to make it my fault. You haven't found friends for me. Honestly, you think I'm joking. People have left this church because of that. 
Why? Because they fail to understand that to thrive in life, they have to build friendships. They have to have people who they love and care for. They have to invest something of themselves. So they have to increase their circle of love so that they bring people into their life. That way, they can thrive. You see, because here's the truth, friends. If your life depends on a pastor, you're in trouble. Even if I try my best, which I don't always. No, I do. (laughs) But if your life depends on the goodness of God, your connection with Him, and the friends that you've built into your life, then actually they become the strength for your life to carry on. And you enter into the purposes of God. Number three. So, we've got perspective, we've got people. <laughs> I'm sure I've got another P somewhere. Pace. I want to talk about the pace of life. You need to get your pace right. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 says this, but the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Don't you find it amazing that God, who is infinitely strong, decided to rest on the seventh day? That God who renews himself and doesn't need to rest because the Bible says he never sleeps or slumbers, but on the seventh day he decided to rest. Why? Because he understood the principle that actually we need to have sustainability in life. And so he modeled it and put it into the world. And so he said, you will have a Sabbath day. You will have a day of rest. It will become part of that. I find it amazing. You see, we are created to live by a rhythm, by a pace. And, uh, you know, in today's society, the, those natural structures in life have started to diminish. And so I was reading, you know, even yesterday, people are working shift patterns. More and more people work shift patterns. More and more people are always busy. The, the pace of life has changed. So therefore, somewhere along the line, we have to decide um, how we're going to keep pace in our lives. You know, the most common thing you hear when you ask people how you're doing, they all go, I'm shattered. How you doing? I'm tired. I've been absolutely flat out. I know our world is demanding more and more of us. Amazing, isn't it? We have these gadgets that can connect us with the world, and all that means is we're trying to talk to the world rather than just talk to the people next door. And instantly, it, 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 it brings a pressure on our lives. The pace of our lives has increased. Last week, I left church, no, no, Sunday before, I left church on the Sunday night, I drove to the, Sunday morning, I drove to the airport, I got on a plane, I went to Singapore, I arrived 24 hours later, I did two days meetings, then I flew back. Pace of life. Do you know what I did over the weekend? Slept. I was sick as a dog. Why? Because actually, we're not all invincible. See, so much of us, we try and live at a pace that is unhealthy for us. Now, I'm just trying to be practical today. Some of us, we need to slow down. Because here's what happens when our pace isn't sustainable. We become tired. Revelation, that, isn't there? And when we become tired, you know what happens? We become grumpy. Don't be looking at your wife then. Okay, I, I saw that. And what happens then is we become a bit overwhelmed. And then what happens is we get cross with the kids. We don't function quite as well at work. Our prayer life suffers. Our, our forgiveness quotient goes down. We become people who are on the edge. Why? Because the pace of our life is not sustainable. And rather than change it, we just try and keep running. 
See, one of the things Jesus often said to his disciples, you read it in the scriptures, they, they were in revival, there were people everywhere, they were feeding them, they were preaching to them, it was amazing. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, hey guys, come with me, come aside with me and rest, because actually we need to get away from this lot. We just need to rest. I'm sure the disciples went, oh, thank goodness for that. Because Jesus is just saying, come on, we just need to rest. Because actually, we're not in a good place just now. We need, if we don't rest, we're going to run out of steam. You see, there are seasons in life, and it's important that we understand this. You know, God has created seasons in our world. And the seasons dictate what happens in our world and, and, and what goes on, the activity that happens. You know, in the winter and in the spring and in the summer and in the harvest, we do different things at different times. But the truth is, there's a pattern to it. We can't just keep going. And there's something in our world today that wants to try and just beat seasons. We just want to be flat out the whole time. And it's unhealthy for us. But can I say to you, you decide the pace of your life, not someone else. You decide what you'll take on. Nobody is in control of it. There are things you have to do, yeah. You've got to look after the family, yeah. You've got to go to work, yeah. You've got to do this. But sometimes we fit so much into our lives that actually we destroy ourselves because of the pace we're setting. Can I say, if the pace of your life is out of control, you're the only person who can fix it. You can't blame other people. You've got to say, actually, you know what? I need to change this so that I can be who I need to be, so that I can do what I need to do. Establishing pace is about what we will do and it's about what we won't do. Do you ever feel bad about saying no to people? Just me, huh? Actually, I've got over it now. I can say no quite easily. Can you do that? No. It's amazing how many people have an agenda for your life that they want to dominate. And sometimes it's really helpful, and sometimes you can help, and we should help, but only if we're doing it out of a pace that's sustainable for us. Because listen, the enemy of your soul will try and wear you out. And so sometimes, because here's the big lie, friends, and I say it to lots of people, you cannot do or have everything. See, our world wants to act as if you can do everything. Whatever it is, you can do it. Friends, that's not true. That's a lie. There are 24 hours in a day, and there are things that you have to do with your life, and you set the agenda, not other people. So I want to talk today, if you're going to thrive, you've got to set a pace that you can thrive by. Because when you set a pace that's going to hurt you and wear you out, it's going to lead to your life diminishing. We all know what that's like, don't we? We all get to that holiday and think, I've made it. And then the week goes by and you're thinking, I wish I had two weeks. Why? Because you just are getting your equilibrium back. Friends, sometimes we have to make a change in how we live so that our pace can be saved. The Bible talks about the men of Issachar who understood the season and knew what to do. In other words, he said, hey, this is, in this season of life, in this time, we need to live like this. And that's a great question for all of us to take. How do we behave? How do we take it? If these three things can help us thrive, perspective, people, pace. So how's your perspective today? Band, would you come back? We're just going to close in a moment. How is your perspective today? What are you focusing on in life? 
you know, I just got a feeling that maybe some of you, you need to get your perspective changed today. You need to, you need to find vision and attitude. You know, say, Lord, can, Lord, th- this seems to have dominated my life. Lord, I want you to dominate my life now so that my perspective changes. Can I see who you are? What, what life-giving relationships are you building into your life? You need people in all these relational contexts, social, personal, intimate. You need people you have to start to build those relationships with. If you've got them, then cherish them. If you haven't, say, hey, I'm going to build these relationships in my life because I need them as I journey through life. Pace. How is the rhythm of your life? Are you always tired? Are you always overwhelmed? Then maybe you need to look at the pace of your life. You need to change what you do. I wonder would you stand with us? It's one of those very practical messages. But uh, just before we close, I just believe it's maybe really relevant to somebody here today. I think God wants you to change your perspective today. See your life differently. Yeah, you might not have bargained for the situation you're in, but do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in Him. He still is with you. He still has a plan for you. Start to look with a different attitude. God, what can I do for you? Lord, how can you use me today? Lord, I look for a different outcome. Maybe today you're overwhelmed, alone, feeling isolated. Then start to build those relationships. Start to invest. Start to put yourself into context where you can grow and meet people. It's going to take a while to build that, but actually it'll be worth it. It'll be uh, a fruit that'll be bearing fruit in your life as you grow. What about your pace? The Bible says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, come on, walk with me. Let me set the pace for a while. Let me teach you how to walk through life. Let me teach you the way to walk. And out of that, you're going to find sustainability. Father, I just pray for your word this morning. Pray that it would rest upon us. Pray that it would cause us to thrive, O God. I thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, come to instruct us and to give us life. So I pray whatever we need to add to our faith today, Lord, perspective, people, pace, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'd give us that grace, Lord, to make that change, Lord, and learn to thrive in you and in the world that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're just going to sing this lovely song, Cornerstone, and then I'm going to close the service.